Hello, this is Evangelist Stacy Gibson, and welcome to my podcast. As promised on my promo, tonight's episode will be The Lord Was Entreated. We're going to be looking at 2 Samuel 24, 25. 2 Samuel 24, 25. The Lord Was Entreated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we love you and thank you so much for all that you do. Dear God, it's nice to know that we as human beings, just little specks in this uh, walk of life, Father, dear God, on this planet we call Earth, dear God, that, that you would look down, that you would bend an ear to us, Father, dear God, that you would be entreated for things that we do. The fact that you even care about us, Father, is amazing, Father, dear God. And, and dear Lord, the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins is, is wonderful. And I just thank you for your salvation plan. I thank you, dear God, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your love, dear God. And I just pray right now, Father, dear God, that anyone listening, if they don't know you, Father, dear God, that they would reach out to you today, Father, dear God, and not delay any longer and find salvation. I pray, dear God, that something that, that I say today would would spark something in them, Father, dear God, to, to call on you. I pray for that one, dear God, that's maybe put you on a shelf, that maybe they'll pull you back off and put you first and let you be Lord and King and ruler in their life. And dear God, I also pray for those out there uh, that just simply need encouragement today, that you would bring that to them, Father, dear Lord. And thank you, dear God, for hearing and answering prayers, dear God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 2 Samuel 24, 25, the Lord was entreated. And it says, And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stayed from Israel. Hmm. The word entreated is is afar in the in the Hebrew, and it, it means to burn incense and worship, it means to intercede, it means to make prayer or listening to prayer. It is earnest supplication, urgently requested. It is prevailed on by urgent solicitation, is consenting to grant what is desired. What are the desires of your heart? I know Psalms 37 says that if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, that He'll give us the desires of our, of our heart. We need to trust also in Him, and you know, when we uh, and He'll bring it to pass, and that He will uh, will need to commit our way to Him. You know, so you know the He will give us the desires of our heart. What is your desire? I'm sure that many of us now could probably think of many things. Oh, boy, I'd like to have a, a new house. I'd like to have a new car. I'd like to have the love of my life, you know, a, a bride, you know. I'd love to have a, a million dollars in the bank. I'd love to have uh, many material things that a lot of us would probably go to, but, you know, our desire should be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our desire should be to see lost sinners get saved. Our desire to have should be to have a closer walk with Jesus. Our desire should be to help those in need. And when our desires line up, 
with God's desires, we can count on those prayers being answered. We can count on the Lord being entreated. Now, we have all sinned against God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, Israel, as well as David, you know, King Saul, all these were no exception to, to sin. King Saul had shed innocent blood during his reign, and God had brought famine in the land for three years. 2 Samuel 21, 1, there, uh, then there was a famine in the days of David, three years, year after year, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, it is for Saul and for bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. Notice that David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered. What a beautiful thing. And God simply tells him that, you know, it was because of Saul's bloody house. Now, see, when the Israelites first came to the promised land, the Gibeonites deceived Israel into making a treaty that would keep them protected. Joshua honored this. And you see, later on, Saul had broken this agreement. Saul had sinned, and his whole house paid the price. I, I can't stress enough that sometimes sin can bring total destruction. We know sin has simply destroyed many lives. Sadly to say, Saul sinned and continued to sin. He continued to do things outside of God's will. And when we do things like that, we'll you'll see that God will do things to get our attention and try to get us back on track. But what a horrible thing to to say or to to read here as we see that that Saul had sinned and his whole house paid the price. Saul had not obeyed God, and his heart was not where it needed to be. The kingdom was stripped from him, 2 Samuel 21, 14, and the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, buried, they in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the sepulcher of Kish, his father, and they performed all that the king commanded, and after that God was entreated for the land, David sinned by numbering the people in Israel and Judah. So we have here Saul paying the price, him and his his sons, and they had died on the battlefield. We see that Saul sinned, and after that God was entreated for the land, David sinned by numbering the people in Israel and Judah. Second Samuel 24, 1 says, And again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Now, what you may ask is wrong with this. Well, when we trust in the great numbers of an army and not God, it just simply displeases him. So now let's let's catch up here. We got King Saul who is who has slew the Gibeonites. He had his bloody uh, bloody house or uh, his bloody 
his bloody house uh, because he slew the Gibeonites and he broke the pact that Joshua had had with them and there was famine in the land and he paid for that but David prayed to God and God stopped the famine and after the three years but see now we got David his heart was right with the God uh, always and and we know right now that David simply just did something there. He made a, a simple mistake by numbering the people. See, we we're always wanting to to take, I guess, comfort, to take, uh, you know, to feel better about great numbers. You know, we're the, we, you know, we can understand and relate this because we're the mighty United States of America. We have a great military, and we can trust in that. But you know, when it comes down to it, we don't need to trust in anything but God. We don't need to trust in numbers. And it displeases God when we're, you know, wanting to uh, to worry about or be concerned with with our great numbers and our great army and and things that we can do. Because let me tell you, uh, we know uh, from from the Bible that that Gideon uh, defeated thirty thousand men with just three hundred, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And he didn't have to do anything because the Lord fought the battle for him. Because we know right now that numbers really, when it comes to God, don't mean nothing. God can take 10 people and and and, and come against 30,000 if he wanted to. God is the God, the God of doing, uh, taking the impossible and making it possible. We know that. So we know that David made a mistake here. David sinned in numbering the people. Now, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. The difference between King Saul and King David was David had his heart right with God. David obeyed God. David loved God, and David repented and was sorrowful for his sins. 2 Samuel 24.10 says, And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. I'm going to look. Verse, uh, let's go ahead and read 11 through 15 here. It says, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto the, thee in thy land? Or will thou flee three months before thine enemies, while they pursue thee? Or that there may be three days pestilence in the land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Amen on that. And let me not fail or fall into the hand of man. Now verse 15, So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel 
from the morning even to the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan even to Beersheba seventy thousand men. Seventy thousand men died because of David's sin. Mm. Seventy thousand men died because of David's sin, and God would have destroyed Jerusalem. You know, would have went on to destroy Jerusalem. However, God stopped the angel and said in verse 16, It is enough. Gad came to David and told him to rear up an altar unto the Lord, and that is exactly what David did. David offered a burnt or David David offered a burnt offering unto the Lord upon the altar. Now the reasons they built altars was to worship God and to offer up supplications to turn away God's anger and wrath. David also offered up peace offerings to the Lord. It was voluntarily and an expression of thanksgiving and worship. Now the burnt offering was consumed, showing that God was pacified and that he accepted what David had done, that the plague was stopped and no more life was taken. And as I've said before, Israel, David, and Saul all were guilty of sin, just like America, just like you, and I are as well. We're all guilty of sin, and we can learn from others. In the Bible, we can learn from others in the Bible on how to to deal with sin as individuals as well as a nation. We need to learn to entreat the Lord for our sins so God would have mercy upon us and heal our land. God is on our side. He is for us, not against us. However, God hates sin. God hates sin. Let's look at some things real quick here on what sin does. Now, sin destroys our confidence. Sin separates us from God. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. Sin tears down our testimony. Sin makes us weak. Sin brings depression. Sin brings chastisement. Sin brings judgment. Sin makes us feel unworthy. Sin makes us feel that God can't use us. Sin will keep us locked down and closed up, and sin will bring help mental, and spiritual issues. This is why God hates sin, and once we find ourselves in it, we should immediately repent and get back on track and not waddle in it. Sin is the bad apple that spoiled the whole bunch. Most of us really have no idea just how much God wants to bless us and give and give us the best life possible. We must think of how much we love our children and, and what we would do for them and understand that God loves us even more than that. Think of what you would like to see from your children. Think of what you would like to have for your children. Think about that. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. And uh, where we left off was, I asked you a question. I said, you know, what would you like to see in your children? You know, talked about how much God loves us and how much He wants the best for us. 
And do you not want the best for your children? And I told you to think about some things. And what would you like to see from your children? How about success? Success in their job. Success in their homes. Success in their finances. Success in their health. And how about success in their walk with God? How about salvation if they do not know the Lord? Do you not think that God wants all of this for us as well? Do you not think that God wants us to have the best life possible? God does not take pleasure in poverty, homelessness. He doesn't take pleasure in seeing orphans and the fatherless, the, the crippled, the blind. He doesn't take pleasure in seeing us, his children, depressed or diseased. But we live in a fallen world, and most of these are, are, are from that. However, some of these problems could be solved by a loving, caring world. If people would pray, take action, and stop being selfish and thinking only of ourselves or themselves. And I will give you one example. If every church would adopt one orphan, the orphanages would shut down and no longer be needed. If we all would reach out to the homeless, this problem would be eradicated. And if we all would share the gospel, many could be saved from hell and this world would become a better place. The love of Christ can change many things, but we are living in a world where many are full of hate and their own concerns are for themselves. Now, the good news is that it's not too late. We can change. We can make a difference. The gospel still saves and Jesus is still on the throne. As I said earlier in Psalms 37, 4 and 5, I'm going to actually read that now. I was quoting it earlier and I think I got it jumbled around. But it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. That's a good God. That's an awesome God. What a wonderful scripture of truth. God will give us our heart's desire. What is your heart's desire? It is, it is it to see the lost world saved? Is it to see a stop to hunger? A breakout of a great revival? Our desires need to be lined up with God's. When Jesus walked the earth, he was our perfect example, our perfect example of how to live. He was always doing for others. He was living a selfless life, a self-sacrificing life, always giving glory to God, pointing others to the Father and wanting the needs of others to be met before his own. When we live this way, we can expect God to always be entreated and act in our behalf. John 9, 31 says, Now we know God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Romans 4, 20 said, He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in the faith, giving glory to God. Amos 3, 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? 2 Timothy 2, 21 says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared into every good work. Luke 9, 23 says, And he said unto them, and that's Jesus speaking, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Psalms 
35, 27, and 28 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteousness, my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. On and on we can go with words of life in the Bible, biblical truth we can stand firm on, words to, of comfort, encouragement, strength, and truth. Change can be made. The course we are on can be altered. We can entreat the Lord for America. We can entreat the Lord for our, our, ourselves and our lives, our homes, our families, our businesses, and have His great mercy fall on us again. God is ready. God is willing. God is able to make this happen. How bad do we want it? How bad do you want it? Do we not want a better future for our children and grandchildren? I said earlier, I said, what would you want for your children? What would be your heart's desire for them? I can tell you mine is not to have them grow up in a world full of hatred, a world full of uh, division. Now, if the answer is yes, what steps do we need to ensure this happens? Let's, we're going to go back to the beginning now. We're going to go back and, and look at, at King David and what he did. I've already went over this. This will be kind of a, a little bit of a review from the beginning, but we're going to look at it and just look at just just break it into a little a few steps here to show you exactly what David did. First, he repented. Hmm. David repented just like we all should do. And I'm telling you right now, as soon as it happens, we should always be quick to repent. I do believe the sooner we repent, the less severe the punishment can be. Why, do you, why you may ask? It's because unconfessed sin that goes on day after day, God will always do something to get our attention. And at times that may not be pleasant. David repented, 2 Samuel 24, 10 says, And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, Listen to this, I have sinned greatly in that I, and that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. David sinned against God and God only. David understood just how foolish he had been. David got a choice of what punishment to receive. And he chose the pestilence upon Israel for three days there. Now this was a unique situation and not that God can't offer us a choice. However, we just have to man up and accept God's punishment. And that is what David did. You know, I... I could, I'm not going to say that you know David's unique situation was the fact that he got a choice. He got a choice from the prophet that told him what God had told him that he had three choices. He could run from his enemies, you know, as I, as I read. Let's look at that again here. It says, and, I'm, and we're, like I said, David told him and said unto him, Oops. 
Shall seven years of famine come on in thy land? Or wilt thou ha uh, flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days of pestilence in the land? I think it would be kind of interesting if, if, boy, if we did something wrong and God said, well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to give you three choices and you choose the punishment. We don't often get that kind of luxury. I mean, well, I wouldn't say a luxury. We don't get that kind of decision to make because all three of them were, were horrible. We see that 70,000 people lost their life. But uh, David did get to choose. But see, we, we don't get to choose. Usually we just have to accept what God's punishment is. Now, sin will always be punished. And we should always pray that God will have great mercy on us. And let me tell you, most of the time he will. And my punishment has always been merciful. I can't tell you how many times I've sinned in my life. And you would think that, boy, God could have just dropped the hammer down upon me. But that is not what happened. My chastisement that I've received has never fit my sin. What am I saying by that? Is this like, you know, I did something wrong and I deserve a far worse punishment. Punishment, But by the grace of God and by his great mercy, I get a slap on the hand. Especially if we're real quick to realize that we've done wrong and not wait and just let it build up you know god could destroy my life and turn it upside down he could he could do that he could just snap his fingers and your life could be turned upside down however by his amazing grace and sweet mercy god's love god's love comes shining through and i uh, make it out on the other side a better man we should always learn from our mistakes. Haven't you always heard that? We should always try to do better. God's mercy did show up. Verse 16 says, it is enough. It's what God told the angel in Jerusalem was spared, but not before 70,000 lost their life. But you see, it could have been far worse Jerusalem could have been destroyed. David went on to build an altar unto the Lord. Now we should not erect an altar. However, we can offer up praise and thanksgiving to God for not letting us get away with sin. Yes, you heard me right. Yes, we should thank God for His punishment. Why would you be crazy and say that? <laughs> Well, the good thing is that a loving father is going to punish his children. God is a loving father. And the fact that we are being punished is, should be comforting to us because we know that we are his and that he loves us. A good, loving, caring father would not let his children go play in the road and, and well, while traffic's out there. A good, loving, caring father won't let their kids play with sharp objects. You see where I'm going with this. You see what I'm doing. A good, loving father will punish his children. And the fact that we're being punished, the fact that God won't let us get away with sin, just lets us know that, hey, we're saved, we're bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, amen, amen, and that God's not going to let us get away with it. He's that loving Father, and we can take comfort in knowing that we are His children. The good news is that it's not too late for us. It's not too late for the church. It's not too late for America. We can entreat the Lord and He can always tell this economy, 
He could tell this virus. He could tell our government and all, all the, the, the violence and everything that we got going on. He could just simply say, it is enough. And I wonder if God's about to say that. You know, God can say it is enough because of his great mercy. And we could go back to, to being normal even better than ever. But I'd also tell you that God could say it is enough. Go get my children. God could say that it is enough and bring serious judgment upon America. Now, let me just make one thing very clear right now. I do believe that that God is already has judgment on America. And let me give you a couple of reasons why we have uh, we can't uh, have all the lying that's going on. God, uh, lies are an abomination to the Lord, and we have more lies being told. You can't believe anything you hear on the television, radio, or anything anymore. Like I've always said, I'm always going to give you truth, and the only truth that we can count on, the only truth that we can trust, is the Bible. Now, if lies are an abomination to the Lord, then don't you think he's fed up? Don't you think he's tired? Don't you think he could say it is enough because of all the lying that's going on in America? All the lying that's going on in the world today? Hmm. Interesting. Let me tell you another reason I believe that judgment's already up upon us. Now, uh, we can't murder babies every year with all these abortions and expect God to just bless us. It's just, you know, and there's many other things. The church, I believe, has failed God. I believe many Christians, we have failed God. We're not standing firm like we used to. We're not doing the things that we need to be doing. But the good news is, the good news is, the good news is that it's not too late. Hopefully, maybe we can entreat the Lord now and maybe He can bring His great mercy upon us and, and that we would we could change things and get back to and bring a, a, a great awakening here in America again. A great awakening. Let me tell you where starts it's going to start in your heart right now to get that great revival going it's going to start in your church right now it's going to start in your home right now it's going to start right here and it, it needs to be with each and every one of us uniting and 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 and, and trusting the god and, and 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 praying to him and asking for this revival asking god to entreat us and asking god to bring this great awakening He can do it. It is possible. You know, you, uh, we need to show love. We need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others right now. And there's so much, there's so much hatred. And you know the old saying that you can catch more flies with honey? Well, you know what? We can entreat the Lord with our sweet actions, our sweet supplications, our sweet prayers. You know, when we talk about prayers, let me give you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, That which we win by prayer, we should dedicate to God. You know, as Hannah dedicated Samuel, the gift came from heaven. Let it go to heaven. Prayer brought it. Gratitude sang over it. Let devotion consecrate it. Here will be a special occasion for saying, Of thine own have I given unto thee. 
Now, listener out there, you're listening right now. Is prayer your element or your weariness? Is prayer your element or your weariness? Which is it? Hey, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I beg you, I plead with you right now to please call out to Jesus right now. Get on your knees. Accept Him as Lord and King. Accept what He did on the cross by faith, that He shed His blood, that He is the Son of God. He's the great I Am. And that He uh, uh, died on that cross and arose again on the third day. The, and, and He's alive and well. And He's at the right hand of the Father, the Father, the right hand of power right now. Call on this Jesus Christ right now and ask Him to save your soul. And He will do that. And you can, and you can, uh, you can, be, uh, you can entreat the Lord to bring salvation. You can help your whole household maybe to get saved. Call on God today. If you've turned your back on God, please, I beg and plead with you to get back where you need to be with God. To draw back nigh to Him and, and get on fire for Him and start sharing the gospel. And I pray always for encouragement for you out there that are on the front lines doing battle. Hey, this is Stacy Gibson, Evangelist Stacy Gibson with He's Got the Whole World in His Hands Ministry. And I thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you and God bless.